G'day everybody again. Uh, keep your Bibles open please, just keep them to, to where you had them, the Parable of Good Samaritan, we're going to be looking at that. Before we do, I just want to ask you a bit of a question to kind of get things rolling. Uh, that is, what kind of neighbour are you? You know, whether you live in a uniblock or a house, how do you relate with the people who live around you? You know, what kind of interaction do you have? Uh, do you put some kind of limit or boundary around that interaction? For me, especially in light of today's passage, as a Christian, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit that my neighbourly uh, interactions often limited to a brief passing smile or g'day, you know, a nod or a wave, um, as if somehow that fulfils my neighbourly duty. Uh, what about others that you just kind of pass from day to day? Maybe those that you see at the bus stop or the ferry or maybe those... Um, all those different people at your work or perhaps those shopkeepers you see as you go to buy your coffee or your lunch or your your groceries. Maybe those other parents at your kids' schools or or sports. Uh, Maybe all those people that sit around you in this building from week to week. Um, Those you've seen many times before, those you've never seen before. How do you interact with them? Um, I've got to say again, I've become pretty good at the smile and wave. You know, the nod or g'day. Uh, without going much further in terms of you know, time and effort and sacrifice. And at times, I've even felt pretty good about it. You know, I've felt pretty good about this level of interaction as if I'm a pretty friendly guy. I wave and smile a lot. But lately, as I've reflected you know, on this whole smile and wave thing, what I've discovered is that often it lacks sincerity. Often, it's, um, there's not a lot of heart in it. And often, it's just kind of this cultural etiquette thing where, where people wave and nod just out of a sense of duty. You know? How often have you done that? You know, like, you're passing, there's your wave, but I ain't stopping. You know what I mean? And I've, I kind of think that this, the wave kind of embodies, in a way, our culture's whole approach to loving our neighbour. So much so that when anyone does anything that's kind of out of their way to help another, uh, that person's unique. You know, they stand out and they're championed as the Good Samaritan. You know, a good person. Someone who's being and doing what Jesus described in his famous parable of the Good Samaritan. Here's the thing though, here's the thing. The parable of the Good Samaritan might be one of Jesus' most famous stories, but unfortunately it's also one of Jesus' most misunderstood stories. Because you see, when Jesus told this story, his main point, the main point, which we've got to take home, it wasn't to champion people for their goodness when they help others. It wasn't to motivate us to simply try harder to be better neighbours. It was to show us something profoundly important. To show us something about ourselves. To show us something about our own desperate need. And about how only God can meet that need. And so let's dig afresh into this famous passage this morning and and see what God's got to show us. eh? Now, hopefully your Bibles are open. It starts off with a question. Luke 10 beginning verse 25, the question, verse 25, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Jesus, he asked, 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now this guy is a Jewish lawyer. He's an expert in Old Testament law and he comes and he wants to put Jesus to the test. But that's not what's going to happen here. Not at all. Because instead Jesus puts him to the test. Verse 26. What's written in the Lord? Jesus replied. How do you read it? In other words, you know, you're meant to be an expert in the Old Testament law. What do you think? The lawyer answers, verse 25, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus says, verse 28, Yes! Exactly! He says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But this guy... He wanted to justify himself. And you see, this is really the key to this passage, that this guy wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, verse 29, and who's my neighbour? And I wonder if you can see what this guy's angling for. Like, what's he asking for? He's asking, he's wanting Jesus to give him a standard of living and loving, a definition of neighbour, A bar that's low enough okay, and limited enough that enables him to justify himself. okay, That enables him to tell himself he's okay before God, that he can earn eternal life through his own good deeds. That's what he wants. Well, Jesus answers his question with a story, verse 30. We all know, I'm sure many of us, if not most of us, if not all of us, know this story pretty well. Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. It's a mugging. It's a mugging. In today's terms, what do they do? They steal his iPad, they take his phone, they they take his expensive clothes, they beat him up, they leave him half dead, bleeding out in the gutter. But hang on a second, as you keep reading, help arrives. Because shortly after the attack, verse 30, or 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road. Yes! When he sees the man, though, he passes by on the other side. What? He doesn't stop? A priest? A priest? You've got to be kidding me. But it's not a one-off. Because the next guy to arrive, a Levite, who's an assistant in the temple, he does exactly the same thing. A priest and a Levite. Kind of like the modern day equivalent maybe of a senior pastor and a music minister. Because uh, some of the Levites are responsible for music at the temple. Neither of them stopped though. Now why? Why? Jesus doesn't actually give any reason why. But you can be sure that these guys felt justified. Okay, maybe, maybe um, they're just really busy. You know, lots to do, just got to keep moving. Or maybe they were scared. You know, help this guy who's been mugged. Maybe I get mugged myself. Or maybe there's other consequences they're worried about. Now, if this guy's dead, back then if they get within six feet of the guy... They become ceremonially unclean. So maybe they're thinking, you know, if that happens, I can't do my own priestly and music ministries at the temple until I go through this whole purification process. It's going to be costly. 
Maybe, maybe these guys are just tired. Maybe they're just kind of maxed out in terms of doing stuff for other people. And you know, to be brutally honest, at times over the last couple of years, with five little kids constantly needing stuff from me, in addition to my work, at times I've felt I just don't have much energy left. Certainly not the, the energy levels that I used to, to take on extra stuff. Ever felt like that? You know, ever felt a bit kind of maxed out when it comes to doing more stuff? Maybe that was it. Or maybe these guys, maybe they just couldn't be bothered. Whatever their excuse, it doesn't really matter what their excuse is. The point is, they fail to love this person in need the way God expects. They fail. And here's the rub, and here's the rub for you and me. Before judging these two religious guys, which is easy to do, you've got to ask yourself, how often do I not stop what I'm doing to help someone else in need? You know, how often does inconvenience or interruption to my schedule help me to justify just continuing on my way? You know, how often have I thought I should help and I would help, just can't right now? And to be honest, I do this way too often. Maybe you can relate. There's an old TV commercial. I'm I'm sure some of you will remember it. It it, it comes to mind when I think about this. There's this guy, right? He's he's, um, he's on his way to a job interview and he's nicely dressed. Um, he's, He's driving his car. It's pouring rain outside. And as I say, he's on his way to the interview, but he sees another car who's, who's broken down and the person's out. And, and it's, what does he do? Got an interview. Does he just keep on going? Well, no, he doesn't. He stops, he gets out in the rain, and he helps them. And that means that he then, you, you see him turn up to the interview, he's soaking wet. There's all these other people in the foyer, you know, nicely dressed and clean and, you know, got their resume, fancy resume. You, you, you think he's got no chance. But he gets the job. Do you remember who the interview is with? NRMA. <laughs> and you know, not just NRMA, this is the kind of guy you should employ, right? Now back to the story. Verse 33. A Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, took pity on him. A Samaritan? Now at this point, you see, as Jesus is telling this story, there would have been a horrific gasp in the crowd that he was talking to. Because you see, although our view of Samaritan is shaped by this story, you know, the good Samaritan, like the good NRMA guy, to the Jews who were listening to Jesus, they hadn't heard this story before. You know, they weren't like, ah, he's telling the good Samaritan story. I like this one. No way! To them, you see, good... And Samaritan, those two words just did not go together. Not at all. Because Jews and Samaritans were arch enemies. Now, it's hard to even explain. It's very hard in our context to even explain how shocking this would have been to them that Jesus makes a Samaritan the hero of the story. Maybe it would be a bit like Jesus saying to us, there was a Christian from St. Matthew's Church 
injured by al-Qaeda terrorists bombing the Corso. Okay, the senior ministers from St. Matt's came out and saw him, but they just kind of walked on by on the other side of the Corso. The music minister did the same thing. (laughs) But then a Muslim fundamentalist saw the Christian crossed over Okay, from the other side of the corso and went over to him to, to what? Maybe thinking to finish him off. No, to love him and to care for him. You see, that's kind of a picture of what's happening here because what does the Samaritan do? He sees him. And he takes pity on him. Verses 34, 35. Let's have a look. He he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the band on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. You see what he's What does he do? He goes and he administers first aid, okay, bandaging his wounds. But he doesn't stop there. He administers second aid, taking him safely and caring for him overnight. doesn't stop there. He administers third aid, you know, paying for this ongoing lodging and care. And then he administers fourth aid, coming back to check on him and to, and to offer more help if needed. See what he's done? What the Samaritan actually did was... He bore the full cost of this man's recovery. That's what he did. He did everything, everything that was necessary for this stranger, this enemy in need to be restored. That's what he did. And that's why we shouldn't so flippantly talk about someone being a good Samaritan. When they do what everybody should be doing, you know, helping a lady cross the road. You see, you see the, I wonder if you can see the problem with the lawyer, the priest and the Levite. I wonder if you can see their problem. Because, yeah, these guys might be religious. They might be good people, you know, by their own and by other people's standards. They might be good people. But you see the point? They fall way, way short of God's standards. You know Why? Because they've got a heart problem. They have a sin problem. A problem we all have. A problem that Jesus is highlighting here. And you see, it's easy for us as we read this story, this great story, to miss this. It's easy for us to to read this story and go, the point of the parable is, who's your neighbour? Answer, your neighbour's anyone who needs you to be a neighbour to them, even if they're your enemies. And so so go and be a good neighbour. Even if it's inconvenient or costly or scary or whatever, do that and you'll be right with God. It's easy to read it that way. But you see, as I said earlier, if that's, if that's what you get out of this story, then I want to suggest you've missed the main point. In fact, you haven't really understood it at all. Because at the heart of this story, the heart of this story is not just to understand who your neighbour is, it's to understand your own heart. It's to understand your own heart in relation to God and in relation to your neighbour. And then, 
once you've understood that, then to grapple with the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Because you see, that's the original question Jesus is answering in this passage. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And it's an important question, and you do not want to get this one wrong. What's Jesus' answer? It's pretty clear and pretty simple. He says, basically, obey God's law perfectly. Do that, you'll live. Okay, Love God, love others with all your heart, all the time. Do that perfectly, you'll be fine. You'll have eternal life. Is that what Jesus is really saying? Yes. Yes. That's what he's saying. Is that an absolutely massive problem for every single person here? Every single human? Absolutely. Why? Because who of us could do that? Who of us can come even close, remotely close to doing that? to loving God with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, all of my strength, all of the time. And to loving my neighbour as myself all of the time, you know, as if I was that neighbour. None of us can do it. None of us can come even close, even minutely close, not by a long shot. And so what are our options then? If you understand this, what are your options? Because this is a massive problem. Well, there's a couple of options, right? Either, either we can, like the religious guy in this story, we can try to lower the bar of what God expects of us. We can try to justify ourselves, right? To try to think that we're okay before God, which is what most people actually do. Okay? Go to... Go to just go to some funerals. Listen to some eulogies. I mean, what would most Australians say you've got to do to, have, to inherit eternal life? What would most Australians say? They would say you've got to do your best. They'd say you've just got to be a good person, you know? Don't harm anyone. Be good to others. Kind of like the Good Samaritan. That's kind of doable. That's what most people think. That's one option. That's one option. The other option is we can actually recognise, we can recognise the high bar of God's law for what it truly is. Okay, we can accept God's standard as nothing short of perfection. And then we can admit, we can admit that we don't and we can't come even minutely close to it. You see, Jesus' main point here, it isn't to show us how to inherit eternal life by being good neighbours. It's to show us that we can't be good enough to inherit eternal life. It's to show us that we cannot justify ourselves before God. And so I just want to say this very clearly. Do not, whatever you do, do not walk out of here today somehow thinking that you can inherit eternal life by being good by being a good Samaritan. It's never going to happen. No matter how good, no matter how good a Samaritan you may think you are, it just ain't possible for you. Okay, now a key, another key, final key to understanding the point of this parable is actually an understanding where Jesus puts the lawyer, where he puts you and me in this story. 
because he puts us all in the story to ask, you know, who does Jesus want me to go home and identify with here? Now, obviously, we're way too often the priest and the Levite. Obviously, not loving our neighbour as ourselves. Obviously, we should be more like the Good Samaritan, which we're not. But who are we most like? Who are we most like in this story? Spiritually speaking, all of us actually are the man in the ditch. Okay? Because you see, spiritually, we've all been injured and broken by our own sin. You know, we've all been made helpless and condemned to death by a law that we cannot keep. We are all, every one of us, desperate and in great need. And that is why every single person here, every single one of us, needs Jesus. Jesus, the only truly good Samaritan this world has ever seen. He's the good Samaritan. Now notice before the story, the lawyer asked Jesus, the lawyer asked, who's my neighbour? Who's my neighbour? But by the end of the story, Jesus changes the question to this, who was a neighbour to the man in need? Or to put it another way, and listen carefully, if you see yourself in this story, who was a neighbour to you? Get that? If you can see yourself in this story, who was a neighbour to you? I'm just going to pause for a second. Ponder that question. Do you see yourself in the story? If so, who was a neighbour to you? Who was it, you know, that saw your desperate need? Who was it that didn't just cross a road but came from heaven to earth to bear the full cost of your recovery? Who was it? Because you see, you and I, because we cannot keep God's law, we can't. Because of that, Jesus came to keep God's law for us. Jesus, you see, he came and he lived the perfect life. He came, he always loved God with all his heart and soul and mind and strength. He always loved his neighbour as himself perfectly. He did that. He did what we couldn't do. And then Jesus, you see, he died on a cross. And when he did that, he did everything that needed to be done to pay for every time that we failed to love God and love our neighbour. He did that to justify us before God. Because we can't. He did it to justify us before God so that we can inherit eternal life if we simply trust in Him. If we simply trust in Him. And you see, friends, it's only when you get that, it's only when you truly understand and believe that, it's only when you've been on the ground, helpless in your own sin, and when you've received his love and his mercy, that you can then get back up fully restored with a new heart and with a new life. You know, do you understand? You're starting to understand the parable of the Good Samaritan. That God's law doesn't provide a way to inherit eternal life. It shows us that we cannot keep it, that we desperately need a saviour. What could this guy by the side of the road contribute to his rescue? Nothing. What did the good Samaritan contribute? Everything. 
And that's the Christian message in a nutshell. That although I cannot do anything to inherit eternal life, Jesus has done everything necessary for me. And so there's only one right response to Jesus. There's only one right response to this message and it's to cling on to Jesus, to cling tightly to him by simply trusting in him. That's always the first and most and right and appropriate response. But you see, then, then, and only then, if you're already a Christian, in thankful response to Jesus being my good Samaritan, in thankful response to being rescued and restored by Jesus, what should I do then? Well, love God and love my neighbour. I should pray. I should ask God, please God, by your Holy Spirit, who you've poured into my life, change my heart. Empower me, God, to be a good neighbour. Not to try to earn anything, not to try to earn eternal life, but because you've already given it to me. You see? I'm going to finish real quick, real quick with, well, who's my neighbour then? Because there's lots of people out there in need. Lots of people that we could be neighbours to. It's kind of almost endless out there, especially in today's 24-hour media cycle where we're just hearing about needs everywhere. Who's my neighbour? Well, you know what? How about we start with the person that we're just going to happen to see on our way this week? How about we start there? I mean, after all, the priest in the parable, he just happened to be going down the same road as the man who'd been mugged, didn't he? And so how about we just start at least by being a neighbour to anyone in need as we just happen down the same road this week? Let that be a starting point. Just keep being a neighbour to, to those in need. And remember, you know, wherever we are, whatever the need, shame on you, Mike Hepton. It's about much more than a smile and a wave, a nod or a good day. With our time, our money, our energy, it's about bearing another person's burden to the point where their burden falls on you. Whatever the cost, and without any limit. Will you pray with me? Our gracious and loving Father, we thank you so much for your word to us in the Bible. And Father, we pray that you would help us to be people who read the Bible, who reflect on the scriptures, who pray to you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this amazing parable of the Good Samaritan. Father, help us to understand this parable rightly. Help us, Father, to understand ourselves and our own hearts and our sin rightly. And help us to respond to Jesus, the perfectly Good Samaritan, rightly. By trusting in him, following him. And as Christians, Father, I pray that you would help us to be seeking by the power of your Holy Spirit to love you and to love our neighbour well as you would expect of us. And we pray it all in Jesus' powerful, beautiful and most precious name. Amen.